When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Now it's time to talk about Trump in Texas, the state where he got more votes than any place else. But how long can Texas remain a red state? For that, we turn to Lawrence Wright. He won the Pulitzer Prize for his book, The Looming Tower, on how the CIA could have stopped the 9-11 attacks. Now it's a 10-part series running on Hulu. And his book on Scientology, Going Clear, became a feature documentary for HBO. He writes for The New Yorker, and he lives in Austin. His new book is God Save Texas. We spoke with him at the L.A. Times Festival of Books in Los Angeles. I want to talk about Texas politics. California and Texas right. are both 39% Latino. California, maybe you've heard, Democrats hold all the statewide yeah. offices. In Texas, it's been the opposite for a very long time. Hillary Clinton got 62% of the vote in California. She got 43% of the vote in Texas. Obviously, demography doesn't explain the difference between California and Texas. How do you explain the, the political differences? Well, let's talk... First of all, about, you know, the Hispanic, you know, you brought that up from the, you yeah. know, we're about the same number of Hispanics. It's a, Hispanic is the largest ethnic group in California and will be in Texas in 2020. And the, the difference is they vote in California and they don't in Texas. And why is that? Uh, I asked Garnet Coleman, who's a state rep from, uh, from Houston, who's black. And blacks vote at a higher rate than whites do in Texas. Wow. But why is it that um, Hispanics don't vote here and, and they do in California? And he said that um, he attributed to the Cesar Javas, uh, the grape workers uh, union. Wow. Is, and he said when you join a union, you become political. And in Texas, uh, we're a right-to-work state. So uh, it's very difficult to, to get into unions. And I think that's part of it. But if you take the ethnic thing out of it and you look at who is not voting, it's the young, the poor, and the poorly educated. And we have a lot of those in Texas. Of course, you have also in California. But in, in Texas, those, many of them are Hispanic. I think that they're disillusioned. They haven't been given a candidate that really speaks to them. Uh, there are candidates like the, the Castro twins, you know, or future possible statewide candidates, but they haven't offered themselves yet. So, you know, they just have not had uh, the kind of motivation that uh, would stimulate a, a real resurgence of Hispanic voters in Texas. Well, if, the, if unionization has been the key to California's mobilization of Latino voters, which I think is true. It seems like it's going to be a long time before anything like that happens no, there in has Texas. to be something else, you know, because the unions are not going to get a foothold in Texas for, you know, foreseeable future. But uh, thinking it, it has to be the candidate and someone who really speaks to the Hispanic uh, situation. Well, let's talk about Beto. Beto O'Rourke, the hope of the Democrats. Uh, 
challenging Ted uh, Cruz. Ted Cruz. Yeah. Tell us about Beto. I just met him yesterday, and uh, we were in a green room together uh, really early in the morning. There are 254 counties in Texas, and he's been to 240 of them. <laughs> many of them have never seen a candidate before, and, and many of them are very red and never voted for a Democrat, but he's been out working really hard. He's a very charismatic, attractive candidate, personally charming and appealing. Uh, he's set a record in fundraising uh, in the last quarter and uh, has outraised you know, Ted Cruz considerably. And so let's say the, you know, the positive things going in his favor are those. He's appealing. Uh, he's young. Uh, used to play in a punk rock band, you know, so there's a, there is a constituency that hasn't been tapped in the past. Um, he uh, fluent in the, in the issues. Uh, he's seen as a kind of bipartisan figure, you know. Now, those were the advantages. The disadvantages, uh, number one, <laughs> we've never elected anybody from El Paso to statewide office. El Paso is seen as being uh, a distant uh, galaxy, you know, it's its own universe. And... Um, El Paso is the way people from Los Angeles get to Marfa. Well, El Paso is halfway between Houston and L.A. Yeah. To just put a, you know, a, a note on how, what a large entity we're having to deal with. Uh, the Republican Party is still very much dominant. It, it, does, it doesn't represent the real demography of the state. The state is far more progressive than its elected representatives would, would have you believe. Part of it is gerrymandering. And, and part of it is that I think, you know, Democratic voters haven't been inspired for a long time. And also going against Beto is the fact that the ticket itself doesn't have very much weight on the top or the bottom. And so he's having to carry the whole thing by himself. Can you explain Ted Cruz? This is a guy who doesn't speak Spanish. He's like the most disliked person in the United States Senate, from what I hear. Apparently, he still thinks he could be president. How do you explain Ted Cruz? And how do you explain the fact that he has there's so much support for him in Texas? Ted Cruz, somebody, one of our political pundits, said that the, the candidate that Beto reminds him the most of is Ted Cruz because he was an outsider candidate. Oh. Uh, he... Uh, was running against uh, the lieutenant governor, a very establishment figure in the state, and he got into a runoff, and then uh, and he won. Now, the thing you have to understand: there are 29 million Texans. A very small portion of those people uh, vote in the Republican primary, and even fewer of them vote in the runoff. And so, uh, it was decided Doesn't by about 300,000 votes. Yeah. And nobody knew exactly who Ted Cruz was at that point uh, or what he might be. He is a skilled debater, and he has that going for him. But he's done nothing for Texas, and that's going to be a big liability for him in this race. Uh, as you said, he, doesn't, he is Hispanic. He's of Cuban origin by way of Canada, but, uh, uh, and Beto is fluent in Spanish. The real question is, you know... Will Beto be able to rally the Hispanic vote in South Texas, create a historic turn in the state? And it's difficult but not inconceivable. You have a great image in your book, uh, God Save Texas, where you describe the, uh, if you look at the, the uh, political map of the United States, you say uh, 
Houston, Dallas, and Austin are blue dots in red middle America. Yeah. They're politically different, though. Let's talk a little bit about those Democratic strongholds in Texas. Well, Austin is probably the most liberal city in the entire southern tier of the United States, from Washington to San Francisco. If you look at you know presidential votes and stuff like that, Austin seems, to, by some metrics, to be the most liberal. And um, it's funny to me, you know, with all the attacks on Austin by our political leaders, by conservative metrics, for instance, entrepreneurship, <laughs> uh, you know, yes. job growth, and so on. Austin is the clear champion in the in the state, and I think you know people are drawn to Austin because of its values and its political culture. Then uh, there's Houston, huge uh, city, huge, huge place. And in if I were going to compare it to another city in America, L.A. would be the one that would be, partly because of the geometry of the freeways and stuff like that, they strung out in the same way that Houston is. It's a coastal city, and it's now been awarded the title of being the most diverse city in America uh, because there's not a single ethnic group that is a majority. Also, it's a city that takes in more refugees than any other city in America. Wow. And 20% of all the people in Houston are born in another country. Uh, It's fantastically diverse and intends to be more so, according to their mayor, Sylvester Turner, their second black mayor. Uh, The previous mayor was the only lesbian mayor in the United States. So, you know, it it confutes a lot of images that people have about, uh, about Texas and about Houston. Dallas... I have a particular place in my heart for Dallas because I left there, I fled Dallas because mm. it was a right-wing uh, repository, you know, uh, and, and of course Kennedy was killed there when I was uh, in high school. And I think that assassination did more good for Dallas than any other thing. I mean, Dallas was humiliated. That's a shocking statement that assassination did more good for Dallas than anything it was, else. It was a city that was off the rails, politically speaking, and uh, it was full of itself and prideful, and um, there was a kind of uh, corporate fascism that was ruling the city, and, and people accused Dallas of killing Kennedy because they hated Dallas. There was Dallas didn't kill Kennedy. You know, a socialist killed Kennedy. I didn't even know we had one. You know, I didn't. It was rare to meet a Democrat. But uh, anyway, this Dallas was taken down like no city in America has ever been. And um, and there's a there's a similarity between the words humiliation and humility. Uh, if you can go through humiliation and acquire humility. Then, then, then you have made use of the tragedy, and that's what I think happened in Dallas. And you know, I was talking to a, a, a friend of mine in Dallas who's a reporter on the morning news, and you know, he knew that I'd been very critical of the city. And we were there after the police shootings in July of last year, and uh, he asked me what I thought of Dallas now, and I said I think Dallas is a noble city. Wow. And I think it's. It's been able to take t- suffering and tragedy and turn it to something good. Can you give us any sense of the schedule of Texas turning uh, back from red to blue or at least to purple? When well, might this happen? It, it will happen because uh, for several reasons. One is that the cities 
are in Texas are blue. All the cities are blue. And, and that's where the growth is happening. And, uh, and a lot of the growth is minority growth. Uh, the, the other reason is that, you know, Texans are already far more progressive than our elected representatives. For instance, most Texans want to have undocumented uh, migrants uh, be given citizenship or some kind of, you know, green card or something like that that would protect them. Responsible gun, gun ownership. I did, a lot of Texans don't quarrel with that. But, uh, you know, if you listen to our political figures, you would never know that, you know, that they represent a people that have different opinions. Now, the other thing is that I think the Republican Party in, in, in Texas has taken an overdose of some kind of hallucinogen hmm. that makes them think that they're living in another future. Anglo population is diminishing in terms of its presence and influence, and it's almost an entirely Anglo party. And they've been antagonizing Hispanics for a long time. Most recently, with the Sanctuary Cities Bill, the particular feature of that is the show me your papers provision, which stigmatizes every Hispanic uh, differently from any other Texan. And, uh, and then there's the intolerance towards homosexuals, the, the opposition to gay marriage. They, recently, just a couple of weeks ago, we had a, you know, the state Republican convention, and they refused to allow a booth to the log cabin, the gay Republicans. Well, oh. what statement are they trying to make? You know, they, they are so backward-looking. They're so hostile to public education. And, uh, and, and, and they're so concentrated on social conservative issues like the bathroom bill that they tried to force through. Those are not winning propositions for a future party. When they become losing propositions will be when uh, people in, Amer in Texas go vote. We're always at the bottom or right next to it in voter turnout. When that changes, Texas will turn blue very quickly, I think. Lawrence Wright, his new book is God Save Texas, A Journey into the Soul of the Lone Star State. Thanks so much for talking My with pleasure. us today. My pleasure. Thank you, John. You've been listening to Start Making Sense, the weekly podcast of The Nation magazine. You can hear more interviews like this one at thenation.com, and you can subscribe to Start Making Sense at iTunes Podcasts, Pocket Casts, Stitcher, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm John Wiener. Thanks for listening. This is the story of The One. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.